0: Greetings and welcome to the show. This week we have two back-to-back episodes to cover that bring us as up-to-date as we can be before the big Crockett Cup specials starting next week. Now I am flying solo. There's a couple of reasons for that, which I'll explain as the show goes on. So I can already hear 50,000 of the regular 100,000 listeners um, switching off. But please stick with me, stick through my personal quest to deliver at least a 4 out of 10 podcast by myself um, as we go through the March 29th, 1986 and April 5th, 1986 Episodes of Mid South Wrestling. So this first episode of the UWF was so bad in terms of quality that I just could not, in good faith, ask someone else to watch it and review this with me. And the headache from the buzzing in the background lasting lasted for a fair while afterwards. And it also took some time for my eyes to adjust. And as such, this one is going to be a bit of a whistle stop first show. So we cut to Jim Ross. And Bill Watts, after a recap of the tag title change, and Ross said they still don't have video replay and the referee's ruling stands. They have to settle it man-to-man. And that last bit really didn't make any sense in the circumstances. Up against Steve Williams with Eddie Gilbert on the outside. Williams beat Taurus in an acceptable match in 2 minutes and 24 seconds. And Taurus, how... Crikey, this is even more difficult just being by myself actually trying to actually put words together i'm still recovering um from my bout of covid many many weeks ago well i say many many weeks ago i'm recording this horrifically in advance of when it actually is because i'm having a little break in april after a lot of podcasting anyway back to this taurus na- having now lost two weeks in a row so clearly whatever push he was experiencing is now long gone They next recap the title change with Dick Slater and Buzz Sawyer, and Watts admitted to some chicanery. I talked about this in some detail last week, I didn't really like the creative and having someone other than the champion lose a title is definitely not for me. Predictably, Dick Slater cut a promo afterwards along with the TV title and he said what had happened the previous week was the biggest rip-off in the history of pro wrestling. He said Jim Duggan had been given something with a bogus contract but the TV title is his and he will defend it against anyone who is man enough to challenge him. Watts said they had a bit of a creaking chair they I'll try and stop that. Watts said they had a surprise for him later and he'd be even more enraged. Sawyer and Steiner versus Ron Ellis and Perry Jackson up next. To give you an indication of how bad this video was, I could not make out any facial features on either Steiner or Sawyer. And Rick Steiner got the win with a suplex off the top rope that looked pretty good in between the kind of hazy 80s VHS. There's a Jim Drug- Jim, Jim Duggan. Is that Jim Duggan's cousin? Jim Duggan promo up next with a big title in hand. Ross congratulated him and Duggan said, thanks Jimbo. Duggan said that after he won the title, he phoned his father and that it had always been his aim to be on top and how proud he was. And I thought Duggan in this era was a surprisingly good promo. I always half expect it to be not very good and I'm always pleasantly surprised and just blatantly wrong, basically. Um, Next up, we had the Dick Slater TV title defence. Bill Watts was out there again and asked the referee to take the championship belt from him. He said he understands he's very upset about what happened last week. They went back and forth and Watts asked him to repeat that his word is his bond and then repeated a number of times the same question as to whether he had given Buzz Sawyer the TV title the previous week. Slater said it was his title and Watts said let's get Sawyer out there to defend the title and again said that Slater should be escorted out of the ring. Watts said they'd have a new video up next on the Blade Runners set to sticks but before that I'm absolutely flabbergasted with this situation with Slater. He ended up winning both titles and lost neither of them in the ring. Even more surprising was the fact that this was right near the conclusion of his Mid-South slash UWF run. He would only be in the promotion for another couple of weeks, with his last date, the Superdome show, upcoming, um, which we're going to be reviewing in a couple of weeks' time. Or next week, actually, I should say. Um, And thereafter, he would appear in the WWF in July, where he seemingly worked as a babyface and stuck around for about a year, which is a little bit bizarre. So... Here now is what you've all been waiting for. The video on the Blade Runners. So they walked together in a dark corridor with t-shirts that said "that read bad on the front. They opened a pair of double doors aggressively and were pleased with how they opened as they celebrated with a big high five. Then we saw them smashing out bench press and the Warrior was straining in the background. More bench press and again back to Warrior looking angry. Sting was now working on his triceps while the Warrior shouted him on. Back shot of Hellwig, now some squats, more shouting and grimacing, and that was that. Now, aside from the high five after coming through those doors, which they did impressively open, I thought this was annoyingly underwhelming, o- o- unfortunately. Um, and for such a sort of historic debut as these two, you really wanted a Joel Watts classic, but alas, we did not get that in this instance. Um, next match on the show was Buzz Sawyer versus David Peterson, and I expected a nice little contest from these two. Um, I forgot to start my stopwatch, so I can't tell you how long this lasted, but I thought this was decent with Sawyer getting the win in something around the eight-minute mark after Sawyer sort of caught Peterson and sort of power-slammed him. After the bell, Rick 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 Steiner came in as the belt was given to Sawyer and Slater came out and tried to take the belt away from them. But Sawyer would not give it up. Good man. Do not give it to Slater because if you get it back to him, he's not going to do a job and he's not going to get beaten. He's going to do a Shawn Michaels style. I've lost my smile. Um, Slater got on the microphone and said he'd take the title back now. But Sawyer said, no, you won't, rather amusingly. And he, was, he said he was keeping it. And I thought Sawyer was really good here with his nose and eventually left as Slater looked sad. And As you said, I just don't understand why Slater hasn't done a job on the way out here at all. Um, next up, Sean O'Reilly and Ken Massey, presumably no relation to Nat, to Nat, to, presumably no relation to Nat, Nick or Matt Jackson, and they're up against the Blade Runners who got their big dramatic entrance. Albeit some of the bits of music sound a bit off on this version, um, and this was essentially like someone had recorded 500 things on this tape before this episode of UWF. Come on, whoever this was, do a better job. Um, I had a little break of a few days in between watching the second half of this show and I'd actually forgotten how bad this tape was and it was like trying to watch a television screen the other side of a fish tank. Um, Sting half killed someone with a clothesline and then warrior gave Massey an extreme wedgie in getting him up for a press slam which he ended up hitting twice both times just dropping him down on his front with little to no care Um, And Sting won with the splash in 90 seconds as JR called them animals. Tracy Smothers versus Korchenko next. And Watts went on a tirade about international relations in 1986 and particularly the Russian flag. Korchenko won with his dangerous backbreaker as Watts said, Powerful man, powerful man, Jim, in quite a sad voice. Promo, and I use that term loosely with the sheepherders next. Just stop shouting, butch. He said they rule the Mid-South and they're going on to bigger and better things and they're going to take over the whole of the USA. Honestly, this was awful and I can't imagine how people actually sat through this for entertainment purposes. Eardrum bursting horror. Only a couple of notches up from listening to them promo was watching them wrestle and they were due for a match next against Ricky Gibson and Steve Williams, which was a bizarre combo. Watts did not enjoy Luke and Butch saluting the New Zealand flag and said that the fans support this country. They are as American as mum and apple pie. And I thought, what if mum was Canadian? Watts then insulted the fact that New Zealand played soccer and rugby, but they have just found out what real contact sport was all about when Williams smashed into them. I mean, I don't like rugby too much, um, but I would put that as comparable with American football in terms of toughness. And I also don't think that New Zealand are that well known for soccer, um, more so cricket really. So bad analogy from Watts there, do your homework. Um, Jack Victory hit Gibson on the outside with the flag, and this eventually ended up in a DQ loss for the Sheep Herders after Victory got in there and joined in the beatdown of Williams. Terry Taylor eventually made the save. I mean, I couldn't tell that it was actually Terry, aside from what's telling me so. Um, so, that's the end of this episode. Probably not fair to review this show in the traditional sense, as it was basically unwatchable. I may have mentioned that already. Um and essentially, I'm sure you're probably bored of my hate speech and negativity about the production quality of this episode. Um, so that is it. And I'm pleased to say that the following episode, which aired on April the 5th, 1996, was back to some degree of normality. Right, after a little break for some dinner, uh, a Kiev and some crinkled cut chips. Not usually um, in line with my kind of healthy eating my body is a temple, but still recovering from the demon COVID. So um, it seems to be that my body just wants carbs and sugar. So there we go. Um, On to the April 5th, 1986 show. And Ross and Jim... Ross and JR at the desk... I, th- I presume that means Joel and Jr. bad note-taking there, Ever the Professional. And they said that Buddy Landell would be making his return, plus the Sheep Herders versus the Fantastics would be our television main event for the UWF Tag Team titles. And we were back in the arena, the Tulsa Convention Centre, with the diagonal pattern ring. And up first was Eddie Gilbert, and he called Duggan a coward for not defending the North American title against Korchenko. Um, Kochenko's victim this week was to be Ricky Gibson sporting a fantastic shell suit style jacket and mullet um, but alas that haircut did not give him any special powers against Korchenko and Korchenko made short work of Gibson pinning him with the backbreaker in just 90 seconds. After the break, Ross and Watts pushed the Superdome show, and Watts said he wanted to make it clear. It was Bill Watts on commentary, sorry, I've made a mistake right at the, right at the top of the, of the review there. So, Bill Watts said he wants to make it clear that it would not be like WrestleMania 2 and that the shows themselves would be live in the Superdome. It would not be on satellite, you wouldn't be watching it on a screen in the arena, and it would not be on television. They talked about Ric Flair paying Arn Anderson a bounty to try and stop Dusty Rhodes from being able to challenge Flair for the title. And DiBiase would not be in the Superdome as a result of the defeat he had. Um, the typical DiBiase loser leaves town stuff before he goes off and tours all Japan where he was during this time. Next we got a promotional video about the Superdome show with a ticket master number and a few shots of New Orleans plus some stars that would be on the show. I used to find that the WrestleMania 2 opening, um, which was kind of like this creepy 80s guitar music, um, kind of freaked me out a little bit. And this certainly walked that line. Um, Ross said he would be in New Orleans a week early, and of course he would be, the top party boy of Mid-South. They also said that Eastern Airlines were the official airline, and they would provide a 50% discount to anyone traveling to New Orleans for this trip. And the catchy code that you had to read over the phone was EZ4CT48. Why they couldn't have just been Mid-South Wrestling or UWF or whatever, I don't know. But EZ4CT48 was the code. And this was clearly a big deal. Um, And I have been impressed with how hard and how well they have pushed this star-studded extravaganza. Easy for me to say, coming up shortly. And we will have a full review for that of that show starting next week. Next up, superstar Bill Dundee, the former Booker, was back for his first match in the Territory since September 1985. And he was along with Buddy Landell against Brett Wayne Sawyer and Sean O'Reilly. And Landell had not appeared in Mid-South since February 1985 in a loss to Kerry Von Erich, of all people. And Watts mentioned that he had been appearing in Memphis recently. And Watts explained the rules for the tournament. Each match had a 20-minute time limit. And if it was a draw, both teams were out. And also, if there's a DQ... That team was was out as well, which probably wasn't a great surprise. <clears throat> Landell got the pin in 5-41 of fine action here. This is a good match. Jim Duggan, the North American champion, was up next versus Rick Steiner. And Rick's in-ring name had formally changed from Rob Rick Steiner to just Rick Steiner at this point, as he'd been known for the remainder of his career. Duggan was still being referred to here as the UWF North American champion and Steiner was accompanied by Buzz Sawyer and Dick Slater came out and interrupted in a nice tracksuit. Slater challenged Duggan and they ended up brawling and Slater ended up beating down Duggan with his boot. Sawyer and Steiner just left and Watts speculated that Dark Journey had left Slater when he lost the title. Titles, I should say. Duggan fought back and went for the spear, and bizarrely the ref was going to make the count until Sawyer got involved and Williams and Taylor made the save. Um, next up, this was quite a segment. Joel Watts was in the hotel lobby of the Sheraton Century Plaza in Oklahoma with the sheep herders. I mean, where else would you want to be than interviewing the sheepherders in the, the lobby of the Sheraton Century Plaza? And Butch, in a far quieter voice, presumably because of his location, said that the titles meant that they were the best team in the world. and i can't I can't stress how much better this whole thing was. ...than anything else they've done on TV... ...purely because the hotel probably said to them... ...they could film... ...but they, they could only do it... ...if they didn't make very much noise... Um, ...they recapped the sheep herders winning the titles... ...and then cut back to the hotel... ...and Jack Victory kept being distracted... ...as his girlfriend was coming... ...and he hadn't seen her in months... ...Jack's girlfriend then came through the door... ...and they cut back to Luke and Butch... ...who gave each other an odd look... ...as Jack said that he'd booked the honeymoon suite... ...old romantic Jack... The lady in question appeared to have a mohawk style haircut and her name was Max. Joel tried to ask her a question, but she dragged Slater off. Sorry, Slater? That would have been a a twist. She dragged Victory off. The sheep herders got zoomed in on again. And this, I've not done this just at all. This was bizarrely great. And this is by about 4 billion percent the best thing that the sheep herders have done on Mid-South Television or UWF Television so far. And next up, it was the herders themselves in action against the Fantastics who got a great reaction. Watts said he thought Victory's girlfriend looked to be six foot four or six foot five and 200 pounds. And did you see that haircut? And he said that he'd hate to see her in a dark alley. I thought, I, you know what? Horses for courses, Mr. Watts. You know, um, whatever floats Jack Victory's boat is, is, is all good as far as I'm concerned. Um, Watts referred to the previous feud that Tommy Rogers and Bill Dundee had over how Tommy Rogers used to like to shake his booty. Um, This match was decent and was long for the standard of the time. And it ended in just over 10 minutes when Rogers dropped Fulton in a press slam onto one of the sheepherders and shockingly... They won the UWF Tag Team titles for the first time to the absolute delight of this Tulsa crowd. And that is it. That is it for the March 29th and April 5th, 1986 episodes of the Universal Wrestling Federation. I'm sure I'll get used to saying that at some point. Um, unfortunately, the final go-home episode for the Crockett Cup is lost to the annals of time. However, we will be back next week with our first look at that tournament, along definitely with Terry Canova and hopefully Phil Stigal as well. Until then, thanks for sticking with me on my lonesome this week, and thank you very much for the continued support of the show. It's been a bumper few weeks of downloads, various different shows. I hope you enjoyed the WrestleMania show we put out last week as well. Um, and until the Crockett Cup, we shall speak to you again very soon. Yeah, this is Eric Watts. And for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about mid Sports, Power Pro Wrestling... Universal Wrestling, go to UniversalWrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must see.